Hey there, We Can't Wrestle Podcast listeners. If you haven't noticed, we have switched our server to Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Highly recommended by me and everybody else here at the We Can't Wrestle podcast. The We Can't Wrestle podcast. The King listens to it. WWE Hall of Famer Jerry the King Lawler, and you better listen to it too. My friend Nate and the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Of course, Nate Maxson here with you, and as always, I am along with my brother Aaron. What's up, everybody? How you doing out there, everybody? It is snowing in Ohio on April 18th. What the fuck? Fucking stupid. (laughs) Hopefully that turns around. It's supposed to be in the 80s this weekend, and uh, for those of you listening that live in our area, Ohio, Indiana... Uh, this Saturday, it, in Fort Wayne at the Memorial Coliseum, the Heroes and Legends Professional Wrestling Convention, and Aaron and I will be there in attendance. So that's kind of exciting, just because the main reason I think Aaron's with me, Haku is going to be yes. there. And I have never been to an event that Haku was at before, and I'm excited to get an autograph and get to shake the man's hand. The man, shake the hand that pulled out an eyeball or whatever, you know. Yes, I got a Haku card to sign i got a i'm excited about barbarian be there i got some barbarian shit to sign i got a warlord figure i i'm i'm gonna put it all in my little box and just pay these dudes to pay to sign my shit bob Backlund will be there again i know you got bob's autograph the last time and i kind of after it was done i was like god damn it i should have got something autographed by bob so i bought a a magazine of when he first won the belt. So I'm going to get him to sign that. It's going to be fun. Be some, be some stars there that we talk about on reliving the extreme. Also like the Sandman's going to be yes. there. I believe Francine. I got, I got something for Sandman to sign the, the, the random dude that I'm kind of wanting to meet. And I'll probably get him to sign an eight by 10 or whatever is Ernest Miller. Yeah, I didn't even realize he was going to be there. I guess yeah. I missed him on the lineup. He's on the lineup. Um, so, yeah. I mean, they might hopefully they didn't take him off. But it's like, yeah, I want to meet Ernest Miller. That dude, unrated in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Not a not a fantastic wrestler, but a personality times yeah. 12. He's like, he's like one of the better things about WCW 2000. So yeah. Like Ernest Miller. <laughs> Always a good show, the Heroes and Legends. Again, it's at the Fort Wayne Memorial Coliseum this Saturday, April 23rd. And uh, it's always fun. It's always a well-organized show. You can buy collectibles, get autographs, and then they have a wrestling show in the end where you can watch some of the Legends wrestle as well. So it's always a good time. And like I said, Aaron and I will be there 
Um, I'll probably be in a reliving the extreme t-shirt if you want to seek us out. So that being said, let's get into this week's show. This week's show, we're going to talk about sad promotion. I don't think we've ever talked about before here on the show it is the American Wrestling Federation, which ran from 1994 to 1996. Chicago promoter Paul Alperstein started the show. I remember a couple of things about this. Sorry. First of all, Aaron sent me a YouTube video. AW, it said AWF Warriors of Wrestling. I was like, I remember seeing this show at like midnight, you know, in the mid 90s, uh, thinking it was weird because like the top guy was Tito Santana. Even though I like Tito Santana, he's not exactly the top guy, you know. But I also remembered, um, well, then I opened because I figured you had sent me like an episode of Warriors of Wrestling. And I'm like, I, all right. When so I, then I, I opened up the video and it's two and a half hours long. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. When I found this thing, I thought, okay, this is what it was under. There's a YouTube subscription thing. It's just, it's just wrestling pay-per-views. I'm like, mm-hmm. is that a fucking pay-per-view? No. And I found it. And no, they didn't. And when I saw it like i didn't even think i just saw oh, awf had a pay-per-view and i sent you guys the link before i even watched the whole thing you know mm-hmm. and when i watched it i was like oh my god are these guys gonna want to do this you know <laughs> well that, that's what i that's what i was thinking essentially it's essentially an awf mixtape Yes, that's, that's why I posted the the I posted a link of it on our on our Facebook page because this thing is fucking schizophrenic. Like, it is, and that's what I was gonna say. We aren't gonna talk obviously about every match in detail and all that stuff, but I think what this will do every single fucking match. You do. I don't have notes for every match. What I do have though is like not necessarily notes on the matches, but as we go through. You know, a lot of things, some things will go through fast. Some things will dig a little deeper. I wrote down the goofy things, but I think the other thing that it's going to be is it'll spurn conversation about some of the stars that are there. That's yeah, that's the main thing. Like some of my notes are just like this guy, this match, winner, and this, yeah. you know, but then there's also a thing. But yeah, it's, it's, it's fucking weird. And then I also remembered as I was watching it, I can't find it because I tried to locate it after we after I started watching the the YouTube video at one time, and I don't know if it got lost in a move or it's in the wrong tote, and I just can't find it. I actually have a four disc DVD set that I had bought probably on eBay or Amazon or something probably a decade ago that had the entire 1995 season of this promotion, and I can't find it because when I was watching this thing, I was like, I want to go back and watch that. Can't find it anywhere. I might have to reorder it again. It was, it was, it doesn't even say AWF on the cover. It just says Warriors of Wrestling, but it's the entire 95 season of this promotion. Yeah. So, all right. Like I said, it was a, it was the mid 90s. You said it's Paul Apperstein. He was, he was the owner. But there was also that, and we'll, we'll talk about him a little bit, but that Rico Suave guy. Yes. The fat manager. Which every like north eastern promotion had a Rico Suave. Yes. A guy who Yes, a guy who a guy who protorted himself with a sexy name but was anything yeah. but. This guy's think, real name this guy's real name is is uh, I'll I'll fuck his last name up, but it's Steve Signor. 
and apparently he had mob ties. Like he, he was connected. He was probably helping to finance the thing, is what yes. we're saying. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, but it was getting financed with with mob money. Like, <laughs> And then after I saw it, like after I read that or, or found that information out, I'm like, yeah, he kind of looks like a nice guy Eddie type person. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, Chris Penn or whatever from mm-hmm. fucking Reservoir Dogs. Like, I could picture <laughs> this guy, like, walking around in a tracksuit. Around Chicago. Got a problem. Got a problem. Well, it starts the... Uh, it starts the the show. They start the show with it's a Sergeant tape. Slaughter... It's a mixtape. Mix Alright, we start the mixtape. The AWF mixtape. With Sergeant Slaughter with a promo. Um, the funny thing about the next thing... Unless you had something on the Slaughter promo. No. Every promotion that wasn't the WWF or WCW in the 90s at some point, you know, any of those upstart promotions that tried to get up and going, always hired Sergeant Slaughter, Tito Santana, Bob Orton, and Greg Valentine. Yes. <laughs> that was your that was your four. I'm 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 a money mark. I'm starting a promotion and these are the four guys that are going to take my money. <laughs> because they were the ones that were Still somewhat able to go. Yeah. Yeah. And fairly still relevant too. Yeah. Um, but the fur the funny thing about this mixtape, as you're calling it, <laughs> is the first match is actually from the last season because Lord Alfred Hayes is on commentary because the Legion of Doom is in a match here. They cut a promo, which is a standard promo. Ken Resnick is your interviewer, which I like Ken Resnick. I do too. Um, like the old, the old prime times, you know, from like 86 and 87, Ken Resnick was a nice second man to Gene Okerlund. He was a good interviewer. Probably the only thing that aesthetically about him is he was taller than like 70% of the wrestlers. So the interviewer is like hovering over the wrestler, but yeah, I thought Ken Resnick was pretty cool. He was a good interviewer. Um, I think he started in the AWA, I believe. But, uh, Ken Resnick, go ahead. What's that? He probably sells cars now. Yeah, something like that. Usually a, a retired professional wrestler is a truck driver or a bouncer. And then you usually hear like the fucking interviewer sells cars now. Yes. He's probably he's probably back in Minneapolis. Yeah. <laughs> the wrestler is a trucker because he likes to be on the road. And the commentator is a car salesman because, well, the interviewer he's a salesman. Is a salesman. The, uh, the Lord Alfred Hayes is on commentary on this Legion of Doom match. That's why I said this is from the last season of AWF because Lord Al actually didn't come into the AWF until 96, replacing Terry Taylor on commentary after he had got let go for the WWF for quote-unquote budget cuts. The classic story where they took the water coolers out of the Titan Towers because they were so broke. Um, Legion of Doom faces, uh, I don't remember what they called him on the show, but it was obviously Al Green. And then another guy whose name I didn't catch. They called him Rage. Was Al Green? Okay. And they didn't give the other guy a name, so I just put it's the Road Warriors versus Rage and Elliot. <laughs> Elliot. Okay. <laughs> uh, the promotion used rounds. The European system. Stupid. Um, yeah, it is. It doesn't. I mean, it just doesn't translate well. Um, 
to American wrestling. Let me say that because I like watching World of Sport, and those guys knew how to do it. Right but here, it doesn't work. Now, one thing they do do as they go through here, and and it's a nice touch is, and we'll get to them later. But they do mention as a good little storyline touch that Chris Adams and Steve Casey are going to be more. Uh, what do you want to say? More attuned yeah. to the round system because they wrestled yeah. in England. Um, this was your standard LOD squash. Yes. Rage and Elliot stood no chance. <laughs> the next thing totally stinks. Cause Charlie Norris always stunk and he's stinky yeah. and Charlie Norris even looks like he stinks. I hate Charlie Norris. I hate Charlie Norris. Fat Tonka. That's what I call him. <laughs> um, Fat Tonka takes on Tony Ramone, and uh, my notes are Norris stinks, always stunk. (laughs) So, and um, I don't know who the guy that was commentating with Terry Taylor was. Mick Karch. Yeah, and I think, honestly, I couldn't remember his name, but I think he worked for Smoky Mountain. I think he was an interviewer for Smoky Mountain. He did. He did. But that dude. Actually, I, I don't mean to cut you off. But he's actually very, very uh, well-spoken and smart, too. He does, because he's a Minneapolis guy also, or like a Chicago guy. And because of the the Minnesota stuff, um, obviously because with the Minnesota connection, that's who, that's a lot of the people that Wade Keller kind of gravitates to. And on his Pro Wrestling Torch podcast, Mick Karch will be on there from time to time. And he's actually quite keen. I like listening to him. But anyway. Is is he the guy, is... You can tell me if I'm wrong, but I like Smoky Mountain. But I only saw him on a couple of clips on here. Is he the same guy that interviewed uh, Tammy when she took her took her um, um, robe off or whatever? And uh, like he was the guy interviewing her by the pool. Is that I him? Pretty, I am pretty positive that was him. All right. Yes. Um, is that was like a cool unveil because she was supposed to be this hoity-toity chick. Or not to get into Smoky Mountain, but like she was like this fucking Hillary Clinton type chick wearing the mm-hmm. fucking um, shoulder pad things or whatever. And all of a sudden, I was like, oh, whoa, she's a babe. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> but this guy, I, I know you said you didn't want to talk much about the match. And I sent you the clip. This, this Mike <laughs> Ketch, is that what you said his name was? Mick Karch. Mick Karch or whatever. Yes. Mick Carter. He says the AW when Charlie Norris wins his match and he starts doing his war dance, he says the AWF fan the AWF fans are certainly into his package right now. <laughs> he made an unwitting dick joke, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. Like I knew he meant like, you know, his his, his presentation gimmick, yeah. his presentation. But this guy's like we're dancing around the ring, and he's like, they're really into his package right now. <laughs> like, I don't think anybody's into Chuck Norris's. I just, oh my God. I just realized that Charlie <laughs> Norris. Just he can be Chuck Norris. <laughs> Forgot to mention, uh, during this whole deal, they have an insert here with Rico Suave and his tag team of Greg Valentine and Tommy Rich. Yes. They're calling um, him Luscious Tommy Rich. Luscious Tommy Rich. Yes. At this point, not so luscious. But anyway, <laughs> probably smells like Newports and uh, 
and uh, whiskey. But anyway. Still awesome, though. Up next, we have, he's about to be Doc Hendricks, Michael Hayes, and he looks like a district manager, Jimmy Garvin. It's the Freebirds. Oh, <laughs> little quaffed, little Jufro. Yeah, the mustache, his a mustache. Little, a little mustache and a little fucking <laughs> a little afro going on. But yeah, when they came out, I was like, Jimmy Jam looks like he'd be coming to visit your store before your inventory to make sure you're right. (laughs) And um, they're facing Don Diamond and Hubert Simpson. (laughs) And the dude. Okay, they make a lot of Homer. You got to see this guy, ladies and gentlemen. He looks like Hubert Simpson. I put this, and I'm not saying it because he's African-American. I'm stressing that, okay? Yes. But he is built like a like the poop emoji. <laughs> and he really does look like Homer Simpson. Yes. In the face. Like, uh, you have to see this guy. Look him up for your own posterity. Hubert Simpson. And, of course, they make uh, Homer Simpson jokes like Terry Taylor says, don't, and uh, things like that. Um, North, they, they West, re- Northeast wrestling was fucking terrible at this time. <laughs> I mean, it's funny, but it's it's like, uh, Hubert Simpson, really curly Joe, <laughs> shit like that. It's like, what is going on? Yeah, unless it, in, in the Northeast, unless it was ECWA or ECW. It was pretty bad. It was pretty fucking bad. And you can guarantee we're going to see Johnny Gunn, King Kong Bundy, Superfly Jimmy Snuka, Greg Valentine. Yes. Your standards. Terry Taylor has a couple good lines. Um, Hubert Simpson gets knocked down, and he said, Hubert is taller laying down than he is standing up. (laughs) And then... He really doesn't like that Don Diamond guy. Like, I don't think, I don't think he's, I don't think he's just being a color commentator when he says, who let Don Diamond into my sport? Yeah. I actually have on my notes here, they really shit on Don Diamond and commentary. Um, And I also wrote down that the Freebirds versus Don Diamond and Hubert Simpson went way too long. Oh, yeah. There's another match later that does too. <laughs> um, but yes, that was that was interesting. Ken Resnick does an interview with the Freebirds afterwards, and then <laughs> Jimmy Jimmy Jam. I know you're not as big of a Jimmy Jam Garvin fan as I am, and I don't. I'll say this like. Jimmy Jam and Michael Hayes together to me aren't the Freebirds, right? I don't think they were a terrible team, but they weren't the Freebirds to me. Like I would have, I would have liked them more if they called themselves up something other than the Freebirds. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I do like Jimmy Jam, and I just always like when he'd open up his promos with "Yeah, yeah, yeah." <laughs> <That's been laughs> Because Ken Resnick brings him in. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in the mood to smack somebody in the face. <laughs> I don't know why that made me laugh, but it did. 
I don't yeah, know. If it's yeah, he yeah. Had that little, I don't know if it's because he had a little afro and the mustache. Or <laughs> He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in the mood to smack somebody in the face. <laughs> it's fun. And that's the thing. Even though they look older and and etc., they still have the charisma. It's still Michael Hayes and Jimmy Garvin. Yes. Um. The the next thing is it's a funny group. Sheik Adnan Al Kaysi is managing Hercules and Mister Hughes, and I have a written down. I have a, I have a written down here. What am I, Sal Balomo? I have written down here because everyone else, everyone knows. If you listen, we do another podcast, Reliving the Extreme, where we're going through ECW week to week, and because of that, and then this. Man, for the past six months, I've had such a Mr. Hughes overdose. This is probably the most Mr. Hughes I've ever watched in like in, in a certain uh, period of time in my life. I've watched a lot of Mr. Hughes lately, uh, really digging into his career. I guess I'm gonna, we're going to be Mr. Hughes historians. The funny thing I thought about this was Mr. Hughes keeps calling Hercules the Hercules. When you face Mr. Hughes and the Hercules. <laughs> His promos improved, though, because he doesn't bring up The Undertaker or Lawrence Taylor. True. Very true. <laughs> but he does. He has the Hercules. And they are managed by Sheik Adnan Al-Kaysi, which is kind of a funny manager for these guys. I don't know. It just doesn't, doesn't fit. But, I mean, three three talented guys. I like everybody in the group. It's just yeah. weird. Um. So, it, 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 did you catch like they started showing a match between Jimmy B and Johnny Gunn, and then it just cut away from it? Did you notice that? Yeah. Or did yeah, I just the, did I go to pee or something and miss it? Uh, there's a finish. He Johnny Gunn beats him with a tiger bomb. Okay, I guess maybe it, when I got to pee or something and I missed it, it must have just been really short. Because when I when I what I have here is Jimmy V versus Johnny Gunn, but then it's Gunn and Powers versus Hubert Simpson and Ken McGuire. Yeah, the only thing that this match was used for was to talk about how the ladies like Johnny Gunn and they all want him to to dick him down. That's basically the the gist of the match. Um, the, the match. Okay. So you got the Hubert Simpson guy here again, and this is Ken McGuire. who's a big tub of goo. And, uh, well, Tim, the match, you're trying to get these, you're trying to oh, go ahead. Uh, we got to explain or kind of try to describe these people. Cause we, you know, we said Hubert Simpson looks like a poop emoji with a, Homer Simpson face. Ken McGuire. Okay. Yes. When I saw Ken McGuire. Um first off, did did you like the 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 comedian slash comedian musician Tim Wilson? Yes. Used to be on Bob and Tom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um he did the first Baptist bar and grill. Yeah. Remember that song? Yes. Well, like where where the church um got burnt down, so like they let the and and one of the lines is um the the preacher's going in there and it's like 
um, he actually says the only one that showed up was Ken McGuire, and that's a little son of a bitch set the church on fire. That's <laughs> like that's a good line. But then when I was watching Ken McGuire, I was like, Ken McGuire looks like somebody. And I know it's not the same guy. Like, I know Ken McGuire isn't this guy. But if I would have to describe Ken McGuire to anybody, you know who he looks like? Who? He looks like Francis from Pee-wee's Big Adventure. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. (laughs) Now that you say it, I see it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's Ken McGuire. Francis. Francis. And this is the match that I put in my notes. Why is this still going? Yes, yes, I put I put this is too, way too competitive. Like you're trying to get these two baby these two baby faces over, and you're they're they're going like 12 minutes with these two frumpy jobbers. And they're they're get, they're getting like super offense on these like Johnny Gunn is like selling for fucking Francis. It's like, what is going on? And Jim Powers looked super gassed too in this match. Yeah, well, he probably was. <laughs> but yes, you're right. That's in my notes as well. Way too competitive of a match. Um, and and which Gunn is- and Powers win with their finishing move, which is essentially the heart attack, but with a bulldog instead. And they call it the power gun. <laughs> Sounds like a sex toy. All right. And that's the noise right there. They, they call it the power gun. <laughs> and uh the I mean like they had like is it is it during this match or is it I guess it is because I don't know if they have another match on this tape, but um like they're trying to get over, like you said, that that Johnny Gunn is like loved by the ladies, but the lady that's loving him is like this thirteen-year-old girl. Oh yeah, those are later on in the notes or something. Okay, like, okay, so that must be during another thing because I was like, that's kind of creepy. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see her all over me? Whoa! Yeah. Whoa there. Yeah, that's a that, that's coming up. Then Powers and Gunner. That is the next interview. Sorry. Okay, because the, the he comes out and he gives like this little girl his armband or whatever. And I'm like, ugh, these girls are like 13. What is yeah. going on? And it's obviously staged, so it's like, why wouldn't you have like a woman, a 20 year old? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like this girl is wearing a t-shirt that looks like she borrowed from her dad and some jeans. It's like that is a little girl. <laughs> She has the barrette in her hair. It's like, what? what? Going yeah, where is this gimmick with Johnny Gunn going? Yeah. <laughs> well, Gunn and, and Powers give a terrible interviewer to a terrible inter a terrible interview to a terrible interviewer. Yes, named she, Chrissy. And I put, yeah, Chrissy. Um, the only thing I put about her is that <clears throat> she looks like that she would be like cast. Unlike Law and Order, is some like shitty female defense attorney. <laughs> That's what she looks like to me. Like a like a ninety five. She's the chick that Lenny Briscoe has to like put in her place during cross examination, and she's all mad about it. I have down that she's she seems to me like one of the random multiple female interview interviewers in the past ten years in WWE who I have no idea who they are. 
because if it's not Renee Young, I have no fucking clue who they are. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, like just random women. Because Renee Young job. Well, yeah, her. The only two of the random women that have been. I don't. I don't get in the weeds, but of the, I guess, random women, not random, but these two aren't random. But of all the women that they put on, and I'm not saying women can't be broadcasters, but WWE doesn't pick good ones. The two best that they've picked in the past 10 years or whatever, obviously Renee Young. And I actually like JoJo as a ring announcer. All right. I was going to say, I liked that um, uh, Charlie Caruso chick or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. She was good. She Was she the oh. one that had like, like Paul Heyman was always giving her? No. She's the, she was, I don't know. She was the, the. She had like shorter brunette hair, like it wasn't like like a Karen haircut, but she was mm-hmm. she was the hot brunette chick, and she did like raw talk and okay. talk and smack or whatever. And I liked her. I liked her. I mean, what first made me watch her was like, goddamn, like she's attractive. <laughs> and so 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 was Renee Young. She's attractive. Was so was Renee Young. She's attractive yes. too. But that Charlie Caruso chick, she was she was good at her job. And they're the two that fucking got picked up by ESPN. So obviously they were good at their job. Yep. Conan 2000, which is Scott Putzky, is up next against Ronnie Vegas. I have no notes on the match. What? Conan 2001 and Scott Putzky was butt. (laughs) Uh, Up next, there is a wrestler on this show named Lightning Rod. Yes, and he some faces other, it. Some other fuck named Hurricane Smith. Hurricane Smith, who it seems like, I think I'm thinking Hurricane Smith probably uh, knew Alperstein. Like he was one of Alperstein's, like maybe when out Al- because Alperstein was an indie promoter. Maybe Hurricane Smith worked for him on the indies or something because they're really like pushing this guy like they think he's a star. This Hurricane Smith. And if you're a big fuck, which this guy is, he's like seven foot, is what they're promoting him at. They try to say he's seven foot and over 400 pounds. I don't think he's over 400 pounds, but he's a big fuck. Unless you're like, like the name Hurricane Smith doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, like this guy does not look like he's the hurricane. Like he's, this is butt and Hurricane Smith wins with a big splash that hit, that they type or that they title the thunderclap finishing <laughs> the thunderclap it's made me laugh now because it's like that's a term for like chicks that twerk booty hoes be like oh they made that thunderclap like no I don't want to see Hurricane Smith twerk As crazy as it sounds, Aaron might even give me the side eye for this one. The next thing, the next match on this whole two and a half hour extravaganza (laughs) is actually my favorite match on this thing. (laughs) I never, I never would. It's that bad. I never would have thought, even though I like them individually, that I would really enjoy Tony Atlas and Coco Beware as a tag team. It's not bad. It's Tony Atlas and Coco Beware against the Texas Hangmen, who we have discussed when we've discussed the Pro Wrestling Illustrated 500 before, Killer and Psycho, 
and we didn't know who they were. Now we've seen them. They weren't a bad heel team. Tony's out there in his jammy pants, of course, his all-American jammy pants. But this mat, this tag match is actually really good. The crowd is into it. And Tony <laughs> Atlas and Coco Beware were a good-ass tag team here. And the AWF was like, fuck Vince McMahon. Go out there to Birdman. <laughs> fuck <Yes. it>. Go. <laughs> like, they legit played Birdman for them to come out. Yes, indeed. Unabashed. <laughs> But yeah, like I said, I really actually actually dug this match. I thought it was a good tag match. Uh, Atlas and Coco, a good babyface team. These Texas Hangmen dudes, you know, it's a played out gimmick by 1995, but they're a good team. They're a good heel team. I didn't find anything really wrong with this at all. Nope. Um, then Nails with an S, um, not a Z. Nails with an S comes out to do a pull-apart brawl with uh, with Tony Atlas. And I had a random thought here about nails. If Kevin Kelly would have kept that gimmick, like, you know how now, you know, okay, fast forward, when is this, 30 years ago? Anyway, fast forward, uh, well, 20, I don't know, whatever, it, whatever, however many years it is, 27 years ago. Um, fast forward to now or 10 years ago, or even 15 years ago, you know how we've talked about on the show before, and you and I have talked about it a long time. Once you get to a certain age as a wrestler, you automatically become a baby face. Like in the indies and stuff, you know, like honky tonk man, when he's on an indie show now, he's not the, he's the fun loving honky tonk man. He's a baby face, you know, he's like, or Yo, whoever. Again? And everybody's like, yeah. 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 So you know what I'm saying? The, even the heels become baby faces. You know, the powers of pain that one of the indie shows or one of the, the heroes and legends show we went to the powers of pain wrestled the heel tag team because they're old. So they're baby faces now. And I was thinking about baby face nails. Like if he would have stayed like on the, the, the convention circuit or whatever, Kevin Kelly, from what I hear, he's kind of an asshole. So that's kind of, he kind of burned all yeah. his bridges, but you know, I just picture like babyface nails coming out to Jailhouse Rock by Elvis or something. You know, it's some indie shit. <laughs> or he's old now, so he he he's like the convict that's been locked up for the longest time, and like his manager's a fucking mouse. <laughs> Yeah, he's the he's the he's the old convict that's now you know a nice man. Yeah, you know he, he did the, murder he did murder somebody in 1935, but now his friend his best friend's a mouse and he runs the library. <laughs> I was thinking of the guy that they uh, that they show on uh, Walk the Line. It's like I was dressed in black. The guy that's just yeah. really enjoying watching Johnny. Yeah, you know he, you know yeah. he's been in prison for like 30 years. He's just yeah. an old guy now. Because he did something fucking horrible. <laughs> we don't even remember what he did. Yeah. <laughs> now he's just old Joe. Yeah. Like he's he, gets al- he gets along with all the guards and shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, we forget that he smothered a black kid. Because he possibly stole something. <laughs> now he makes apple pie for the warden. Yeah, and he fucking runs the library. They always run the library. 
<laughs> they always run the library. And they're friends of mouse. <laughs> well, the any of, by the end of the movie, I mean they gotta electrocute him now, but it's like, oh <laughs> but he's cool with it. Hey, I understand. I understand. I'm ready. I'm ready to go home. Yes. He's the guy that they didn't put the sponge on his head and fucking Green Mile. Everybody's mad about it. <laughs> you know the guy I'm talking about? Like Brian yep. Hildebrand? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the guy from Evening Shade? Yeah, Green Mile's actually a pretty goddamn good movie. It is. It I'm is. not a big Stephen King guy, but Green Mile's a good movie. You didn't want the sponge, you asshole, and then they throw him in the fucking... I added a room or whatever. That's a good fucking movie. We're not gonna get too into the weeds on that though. <laughs> like I said, Atlas and Nails do a do a pull apart the pull apart brawl between Tony Atlas and, and Nails. So again, this whole segment, nothing wrong with it. I like it. It was effective. Yeah. The match and the feud. Yes. The next match has Terry Allen, who I think this is the same Terry Allen that used to wrestle in the WWF like a job guy in the late eighties. Yeah, it ain't Magnum TA, I'll tell you that. No, it's not. No. <laughs> so, it actually, uh, I think in WWF he wrestled as Jerry Allen. He teams with Eric Freedom versus the Samoan SWAT team. During this match, there is an insert from the Steve Casey guy who I absolutely despise. <laughs> this guy's terrible with his stupid hair and his stupid hat and his, I don't know. Yeah, I don't even know who this guy is. I don't even really British. Because <laughs> when they said, we're going to hear from Steve Casey, I was like, Texas Steve Casey? And then he comes on, I'm like, what the fuck is this guy? Who's this dude? <laughs> and he's just there being British. His butt. Yeah. Um, obviously, they're going to try to, they're obviously trying to build a feud between Steve Casey and Chris Adams here. The two British guys have to feud with each other. But the SST go over. Um, Taylor, terror, terror. I can't say. Uh, I was making fun of myself because I almost said terror, terror. Tar, Terry, Terry <laughs> Taylor kicks off his um, little stupid gimmick that he's doing with commentary where he's. Oh, saying, yeah, the impressions. And he actually does. Actually, like the, the idea is stupid. And all the other ones suck, but Terry Taylor actually does a pretty good Macho Man. Yes. I'll give him yes. that. Like his Macho Man was on point. All the other ones that he does are fucking trash. But Yes, and, and what Aaron's alluding to, folks, if you're not taking the time to watch this two and a half hour video, <laughs> is throughout the shows, Terry Taylor will they'll be doing commentary and then Terry Taylor will go, you know, like with the Macho Man, he'll go, oh, yeah, the American Wrestling Federation, and then they'll do this thing where like, who is this guy? Get him out of here, blah, blah, blah. Trying to act like, you know, Randy Savage or Hulk Hogan or somebody is actually at this thing. <laughs> it's stupid. It's stupid and pathetic and dumb. I don't know whether... What other expletives I could use, but yeah. Yeah. All the other impersonations suck, and I wrote them all down, but the Macho Man one was there. He actually does a good fucking Macho Man. I'll give it that. The next match is John Paul, who did job. I remember him doing jobs for the WWF on, like, early Raw. He's against that Steve Casey clown. 
this wasn't good. That guy's a clown. I don't like him. Like I, I've I've never seen this guy before, and I never want to see him again. Fuck him. I don't like this stock Scott Steve Casey guy. He sucks. Where was John Paul's tag team partner, George Ringo? <laughs> um uh, here here comes Terry Taylor's next impression because the next match is Tom Zank. There's another guy. There's another guy that whenever there was some upstart promotion yeah. back then. Let's get us yeah. some Tom Zank. And, and he's a guy that I'm actually, and I know you're not, but I'm a fan of, and we've talked about it before, that I think Tom, I think where Tom, where they were, Promotions failed with Tom Zank was Tom Zank should have been a heel. He should have been a fucking bad guy. Yes. And I know why he wasn't, why promotions didn't want to book him as a bad guy. Because at the time that he was, uh, at the time that he was wrestling, he was in shape. He was a good looking guy. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So when a promoter would look at him be like, this guy's a white meat baby face. But in my opinion, Tom Zank's like persona and the way he carried himself, I don't want to say it. It was almost like a Lex Luger. You know what I mean? Where mm-hmm. I honestly think that Tom Zank, I don't know the guy. I never knew that he's dead now, but like I never met the guy and never will or whatever. But I think Tom Zank, honestly, in real life, probably had an ego about himself. And I think let that guy just put his ego on TV. Yeah. Like not be like, Oh, and like obviously hands with the ladies, you know what I mean? Or like hugging him or whatever. He should have been the guy being like, your ladies want to hug me. Look at me. Mm -hmm. Like Rick rude. Yeah. I'm the Z man. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like that is not a, that's not a Nick. Like Z man shouldn't have been a, like a nickname that somebody gave him. That should be a nickname that he gave himself. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> yeah. like if you get a nickname, that's cool. You know, I've get I've known dudes that have nicknames. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Have you ever met that guy that gave himself a nickname? Oof. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I'm Rod Dog. Uh. <laughs> now, if somebody else gave Rod the nickname Rod Dog, everybody's like, yeah. "Hey, Rod Dog's here," or whatever. But yeah. when he walks in and be like, "Hey." Wrong. Yeah, well, that's what I was say. Obviously, because uh, uh, we grew up in the '90s, and my first name is Nate. Since since the beginning of 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 my high school career and on through the rest of my life, people have constantly called me Nate Dog. That's yeah. been my nickname. But, you but I didn't walk. say I didn't say I'm Nate Dog. Yeah, you walk <laughs> into the room and be like, "Hello, Nate Dog." Nate Dog. Nate Dog. Nice <laughs> to meet you. Right. People yeah. just see me and go, oh, Nate, no, what's up, man? Yeah. <laughs> but I always thought that I think Tom Zank would have had a had a different career if he would have been established as a heel. In my mm-hmm. um, he, he was, and I, and and I know, like I said, I know you're not a fan of him. I, well, no, I was going to say also, I I, I agree with you, wrestler. Well, I was about to say, I agree with you about the heel thing. And I have to clarify, I am not a fan of him really as a singles, but I did enjoy him and I did like him as a tag team. To me, he's a tag team wrestler. 
and I agree with you, a heel wrestler. Like, I like this team with Brian Pillman. I like this team with Rick Martel. I like I liked Tom when he was in a tag team. Yeah. Um, and to speaking to you, what you were saying about his arrogance, obviously he's arrogant. This guy walked out of the WWF when they were doing the best business they ever did in 1987. That's arrogance. Like, I don't need the WWF. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, imagine if if you were talking about him in the WWF. Imagine if they would have flipped the script and they would have been like, okay, the Young Stallions are heels now. Because Paul Roma. They tried to push Paul Roma as a face. Mm-hmm. Paul Roma's a much better heel. I don't know if you ever listened to Paul Roma talk, but that guy's a fucking asshole mm-hmm. in real life. You know what I mean? Like, well, but we're the young stallions. The young stallions is a heel fucking team. I'm not saying they would have ever been like the fucking champs or whatever, but they would have been fucking great as fucking like a little well, heel tag team. Zink Zink teamed with Martel, but um that Jim Powers was was. Oh, uh, sorry. Yeah, you're. That, no, that's okay though. But like Roma and Zink could have worked as a team. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, uh, I misspoke on that. Sorry. That's all right. No, but they. I could. When you said it, I could say, "Oh yeah, Zink and Roma as heels." A little like, like, uh, like a Gino Hernandez kind of character. Yeah. You know, they pull up in their fucking convertible. Yeah. Getting off their private plane. Little shitty little assholes. <laughs> All right. Well, there's our Tom Zink dissertation here on the show. He beat well, Hulk Elliott. Hulk Elliott. And this is where Taylor's next impression comes in. His awful impression of Hulk, uh, Hulk Hogan. Hogan. At first, I was like, who's he impersonating? And then I realized, oh, Hulk Elliott's in the match. That's he's just fucking impersonating. <laughs> fucking Mike's nutsack or whatever you said his name is like who's that guy in red and yellow running away yeah like, uh, yeah shut the fuck up stupid <laughs> anyway tom zink wins this match the next match well there's an interview with tony atlas and coco beware that's good i loved like coco was doing his preacher voice and tony atlas was like oh yeah bro Oh, he was rolling right. Man, these guys were fucking fun on this show. I don't give a fuck. Coco be wearing Tony Atlas, man. I'm all about it. But yeah, it was great because Coco's doing like the we're coming down. And Tony Atlas is like, oh, yeah, brother. Yeah. Well, it Tony Atlas in the beginning of it. He's like, y'all don't know, but Coco can sing. And then Coco's like, oh, yeah, brother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for me, this was the Tony Atlas Coco Beware show, I guess. I enjoy, I really enjoyed them in the AWF. But anyway, <laughs> the next match Pretty Boy Floyd and Firefighter Jim. Sounds like I'm reading indie results on Slice of Time here. They fight a team that I dig because I like both guys. I'm a mark for Warlord. Everybody knows that. And I actually liked Jeff Gaylord. Yeah. Um, it's stupid that they call them the Lord Brothers. <laughs> it, that's dumb. Like, Warlord's first name is War and his last name is Lord. Hey, whatever, it's stupid. Well, uh, but, it's not It's not far-fetched. I mean, there was another muscled-up fucking moron named Warrior. <laughs> True. Not saying <laughs> Warlord's a muscled-up moron. He's, he's probably intelligent. And I like Warlord, and I like these, uh, and I do like these guys. By the way, I'm a Jeff Gaylord fan. Me I think too. Jeff Gaylord was awesome in Texas, and he's built like a 
he's in shape and everything like that. He's he, his life was crazy. Yes. <laughs> if you uh, like, I said I don't like to plug other podcasts on here, but I plug the ones I like. You know what I mean? And I love crime mm-hmm. and sports. And there's a Jeff Gaylord crime and sports podcast you gotta listen to if you want to listen to the fucking insane life of Jeff Gaylord. And that's funny too because I. Back in the 90s, when we would watch Global or, you know, whatever, I always was like, I don't know why this guy's never been to the WWF. Why have they never signed this guy? He seems like he'd be perfect. And then I listened to Crime and Sports. And I'm like, that's why. (laughs) He's got some priors on him. (laughs) Well, Jeff Gaylord and the Warlord go over. I think during this match is when Terry Taylor does his Ric Flair impersonation. I believe so. And essentially, he just sounds like Terry Taylor with a stuffy nose. That's his Ric Flair impersonation. Which is his entire career. (laughs) I like Terry Taylor, but... Nobody understands that either. You know, they talk about, like, you know... um, um, they made like Dusty dance around and, and they had Virgil be Virgil because they're making fun of Dusty. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the Red Rooster was them mocking Ric Flair. Yes. I've, I thoroughly, I, I thoroughly believe that. that the was cock them. of the walk. Yeah. And, and pecking and, uh, you know, bird nose and all that shit. They, they were making fun of Ric Flair. Um, I agree. I and, and and what I tend to disagree with is, like, that's one of those because th- I'm not one of those guys. I'm not. I'm not one of those guys that's like dismisses everything Bruce Pritchard says just because he's been Vince McMahon's guy. There are a lot of those snooty. We talk about them here on this podcast. There are a lot of snooty wrestling fans and snooty wrestling podcasters that. Like to do that, and and but but I will agree with Cornette in that the Artful Dodger is the perfect nickname for Bruce. Yeah, and sometimes he is full of shit. And one of the things where I always when I when I hear it and I I I'm like Bruce, you're full of shit. Is whenever he says, "Oh, the Red Rooster just didn't work because Terry Taylor didn't want it to, and he didn't get it over." No, you saddled him with a shitty gimmick. Yeah, I, I don't, I, you know, and, and, and there's a lot of times where Bruce will say something like, and I'm like, all right, yeah, I can see the WWF's line on that. That's fine. But the, the whole thing about Terry Taylor and the, that was never going to be a main event gimmick. It was never going to work. It was stupid. The, the Red Rooster was to make fun of Flair, and um, Akeem obviously was making fun of Dusty Rhodes because they couldn't get those guys to sign. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the Akeem is blatant. <laughs> there's dream in the name. There's the dancing. It's it's blatant. I just watched today. I just watched the primetime wrestling from 88 from Paris. You ever watch that? Yes. It's, um, it's, it, it's aesthetically one of my favorite wrestling shows of all time. Yes, and it's a great card. And the main event match, and I, I I like one man gang, everybody. Don't get me wrong. I like George Gray. He's awesome for a big man. 
but he wasn't a fantastic worker. Obviously, he that's that wasn't the point, right? He was a that wasn't what that wasn't what he was supposed to be. But that that Paris show, I just watched it this morning, which is why it's fresh in my mind. Um, he has he he's he main events with Randy Savage for the WWF title, and it's the best Akeem match I've ever seen. Yes, and you know it's funny if you watch the show, you know, when all the wrestlers are coming out and the whole like they're coming out of that that, that lighted tube or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you get what I'm saying when I say it's like aesthetically, it's cool. Oh yeah, yeah, it's so different, especially like, for back then, like yeah, for like, the WWF. There's like light shows and all and all that shit. Savage gets fireworks. Yeah, it, it's funny because. They all hold up the cards and everything. And that had to be like right when he became Akeem. Because when he comes out, they don't even hold up a card that says Akeem. Akeem is coming out and the card says One Man Gang. Hmm. I guess I didn't even notice. Yeah, you got to pay close attention. If it's the same thing I'm thinking of, and I don't think they did two of those. It says Mm -hmm. One Man Gang as Akeem's like jiving out to the ring. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's got like uh, it's it's the same show. It's got Canal Plus on the on the ring apron. Yeah, and yes, very very cool show. But anyway, got off the off the beaten path there. The next thing on this thing is is and I, I didn't make a lot of notes for the interviews, but this one I did make a note for because it's an interview with Nails, and he's not doing the Nails voice. It's because we talked about it the other day on a show that we were watching. Um, I, or show your time. I don't know if it was on my show or what, but that wasn't a nail's voice. You didn't know that? No. Um, what were we were ta- what were we talking about? We were talking about like, um, we were talking about Canyon. Remember when we were talking about Mortis and how cool yes. the Mortis character was? But when they let him talk, he talked with Canyon's voice. Mm-hmm. They weren't knocking Chris Canyon's voice because uh, y- you can't control your voice, you know. But like Mortis shouldn't have talked because the Mortis character shouldn't have that voice. Like he shouldn't have that that lisp or whatever that he had. Yeah, that's what they did with Nails in the WWF because they liked his look. I like the way he worked. He works like nails. They distorted his voice on purpose. Like they did like a module thing with him. Like, you know, when you're talking to like one of those, those microphones as a kid and it would be like a voice distorting thing. That's what they mm-hmm. did. Like when he's like, boss, man, that wasn't Bosh, him. Man. That wasn't him doing it. That was, that was the WWF. Hmm. Um, altering his voice. I had no idea about that. Yeah, that's why they did it, because <clears throat> like I said, they, they liked the look of him and everything, and then when they had him fucking talk, they are like, oh, that's not nails. Like, oh, geez. Oh, golly. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't work. Boss man. Hey, boss man. Hey. Yeah. You so, bet you so, bet you're sure. I'm going to lay out. <laughs> yeah. So when he would cut promos and shit, they would do the the modular thing with his voice. Well, I learned something new that I didn't know. 
and I learned that by listening to um, the Artful Dodger. I watched a, I listened to a thing about that with with Bruce Richard talking about nails, and like I said, they just like production wise, they would distort his voice because they were like, "This isn't what nails should sound like." Hey, a convict, eh? Yeah, telling <laughs> fucking from Fargo. <laughs> oh no! Oh jeez! Oh jeez! <laughs> William H Macy, yeah. amazing in that movie. Yes. Yeah, but you don't want William H Macy playing nails. I love. All right, William H. It's 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 even funny. Like he try with like when he's on the phone with the 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 um uh, the warranty company or whatever, and he's even trying to be mad. And I, it's, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but it's just like even when he's trying to be mad, he's so he's so not intimidating. It's like let me you know let me tell you here you know you made a promise and you know anyway. I love that fucking movie. The show's really good too. You ever watch the show? No. Fargo? No. Is it on FX? Yes. FX. You gotta, you gotta have Hulu to get FX, and I don't have Hulu. Oh. Well, if you can find it or you get a chance at some point, watch the Fargo series. It's fantastic. Hulu's anyway. The, Hulu's the one that I dropped off. Like, I had, like... It gets to the point where you have so many streaming services where you're like, okay, well, I, I'm going to cut the cord on cable, but it's like, I have all these streaming services and now I'm paying more than I paid for cable. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, I like Hulu. I use, because I, I don't have cable at all, and I still like to watch the WWE shows or fast forward through them. So I kept Hulu because it's got Raw and SmackDown. Kendall and I, there's a lot of stuff Kendall and I like on there too. And I have it bundled with my Spotify. I understand that. But. I dropped Netflix, but I still have it because I use our mother's Netflix. <laughs> she uses my Hulu. I use her Netflix. It's a fair trade. Anyway, back to our show here. Um, I put on here, I don't know why I put this note. There's an interview with Tommy Rich, and all I put... I guess I wasn't specific enough in my notes. All I put was, interview with Tommy Rich, Rico got money. So I don't know what I was talking what I was referring to. I know what you were talking about. (laughs) I know what you were talking about. Does he say Rico got money? No, I think Mr. Hughes was involved in it. Oh, okay. (laughs) I kind of wrote a note about how Mr. Hughes's entire gimmick was all about somebody having money. Always. Yeah. <laughs> you got money? You got money? <laughs> I got money. One of my what favorite what, one of my favorite things from the early ECW stuff is Jason going, Mr. Hughes, I need your help. And all he says to him is, You got money? He's like, Yep. All right. <laughs> the big cat does not care. As long as you got money, he'll beat up whoever you want. <laughs> Shane Douglas, I beat up the Undertaker. <laughs> you got money? Uh, Curtis Hughes, one thing, side note, one of my favorite things ever was when he was on Raw and he was feuding with The Undertaker and The Undertaker sent him that black wreath. Mm-hmm. That's Vince McMahon doing his Vince McMahon shit. 
Curtis Hughes looks at the looks at the note on the wreath and he's staring at it. Okay. <laughs> and he stares at it for probably I want to say 30 15, seconds at least. 15, 30 seconds. And he's just reading it. And he goes, Rest in peace. And Mystic Man's like, really took him that long to figure out what that said? <laughs> like, that wasn't Vince Mc... That was Vince McMahon being boss Vince McMahon. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, took him that long to figure out what that said? Yeah. That was Vince McMahon producing live on the air. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, shit. But the, but the next match... <laughs> Billy Joe Eaton and uh, uh, Ken McGuire versus Two Cold Scorpio and Chris Adams. And you talking about, like you said, you liked um, um, Tony Atlas and Coco Beware together, which I agree with. I actually like was like, God damn, Chris Adams and Two Cold Scorpio is actually a pretty good fucking tag team. Yes, and I have the same thing kind of here. I have down, at first I have Two Cold and Chris Adams team up, question mark, and then I put Chris Adams and Two Cold teaming up. Good stuff. (laughs) Yeah, guys are good together. And I enjoyed it. Um, And it's a it's what the other tag team matches should have been like too cold. And, and Chris Adams give them a little bit, but then they get the upper hand uh, and they have a cool little finish move where Adams hits the super kick. The two cold hits is four fifty, and they're in and out with these guys. And it wasn't bad. Although Chris Adams music was weird. Yeah. Like I know there's lots of variations on the, the quote-unquote British Bulldog theme, whatever that song's called. It's not God Save the Queen, but whatever it's called. But this one was weird. It was like, it started out like that, and then it went into like a disco kind of thing. It was kind of weird. Yeah. And um, I know we've had a show in the past where we talked about like guys that were surprised they never worked for Vince or whatever. You know? It's like, Part of me kind of wishes Chris Adams hadn't been such a fucking scumbag in real life. Like, if that guy would have been such a fucking scumbag, I think he would have had a hell of a fucking career. Yeah, well, that's actually a question that, and again, like you said, we don't, whatever, Jim Cornette, we talk about Jim Cornette's podcast on all of our shows all the time because we all love Jimmy. But that's actually a question I've thought about sending into the drive through is for all the promotions, the AWA, Georgia, Mid-Atlantic, et cetera, et cetera, during the WWF's uh, 80s expansion, the one promotion they never drew a lot of talent from was world-class, and I wonder why. I know why. You know? I can tell you why. Okay. It was, they were all fucking... Pill out, goddamn scumbags. I I don't want to I don't want to call them scumbags, but they had a lot of fucking baggage. Mm-hmm. Like, look at all the shit that Chris Adams did. 
like yeah. drug possessions, Grand Theft Auto, fucking he fucking head butted a stewardess. Yeah, kind of a not a stewardess, sorry. He didn't headbutt a stewardess. He headbutted a pilot because the stewardess wouldn't give him any more beer or drinks. And she was like, you got to stop. And then the co-pilot came out and he fucking headbutted him. You're right. Like fucking Gino Hernandez using fucking... That's why. Like It was an entire promotion of Scott Hall's. Okay, and I know the guy passed away, and I'm not saying anything bad about him, but that's what it was. It was, it's like we can have one of those guys, we can have one of them, but you can't have a whole roster, but we can't have 10 of them, yeah, you know what I mean. And that, and that's really honestly why I think it was like that, yeah. Like I said, I, I think I always understood why the boys, like Chris or like uh, Carrie and Kevin, and and David wouldn't have been scooped up because obviously they're going to stay loyal to their dad and the promotion. But Fritz turned an eye to all. Of, turned an eye to all of it. Yeah, like Gino, Chris, Adams, all those guys. He fucking turned a blind eye to all that shit. And and Fritz, and that's why I put Fritz in our fucking hall of shame because that guy, all he gave a shit about was making a goddamn buck. Mm-hmm. So what? I'm no pretty question. sure that's probably what Jim Cornette would tell you. He'd probably be more eloquent about it. He probably wouldn't say they didn't want to sign they didn't want to sign 10 Scott Halls, but I think that's why. The next thing on this AWF show is Sergeant Slaughter wrestling, of course, the terrorist. Right. Who speaks with a New York accent, by the way. <laughs> Um, I'm, a, I'm a jihadist. How you doing? Yeah, how you doing? This <laughs> is <Cop the>, <laughs> and I have a question written in here, and I thought <clears throat> I thought Arch would be on here, so I, it was a question. Be like, what do you guys think? Um, but I'll just ask you. Mm-hmm. I how do I want to say this? Like you were talking about. Um, um, Akeem not being the greatest worker in the world. You know what I mean? Yeah. But hell of a bumper. Mm-hmm. That's Especially what I want to size. Yeah. That's what I want to ask about Sergeant Slaughter. I think Sergeant Slaughter and, and I have my I have my opinion, but I wanted to get you guys' opinion. I think Sergeant Slaughter is a hell of a bumper. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and you don't um you don't get a bump named after you if you're not a great bumper because there's a slaughter bump, you know? Mm-hmm. So we can both agree, Sergeant Slaughter, great bumper. Absolutely. Sergeant Slaughter, great worker. Do you think Sergeant Slaughter is a great worker? I do. I do too. I really do. I, like, he, did, he wasn't like fucking Ric Flair or whatever, but... I think Sergeant Slaughter gets somewhat underrated in being able to fucking work a match. And I mean, okay, uh, a couple of examples I'll use just to put him over. His matches with Pat Patterson, 
those are matches you can you can go back a couple of times a year and watch them and find a new nuance every time you watch it. And obviously, Pat was one of the best workers of all time, but Slaughter was right there with him, you know, hanging in there. Yeah, and those are fantastic. And people can say what they want about the storyline; they can say what they want about whatever. Even at being later in his career, he had great matches with Hulk Hogan. Um, and. And I, I'm sure I could find more. There's actually a match that I really and, I, and and you and I have talked about it on the show before. Neither one of us are like quote unquote AWA students. That's probably out of the major promotions. That's probably the one we would watch the least or be the least attracted to. I saw a match with Slaughter and Wahoo McDaniel one time. That's one of the greatest brawls I've ever seen. And yeah, oh, fantastic worker, Sergeant Slaughter. I agree with you. He doesn't get enough credit for how ap- absolutely good he was. Yeah, and like part of it's the gimmick. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. People tell the because the get the gimmick's fantastic. Like you could do whatever you want with that fuck. Like you can make that gimmick a fucking face or a heel, whatever the fuck you want to do with it. Yep. Yeah, I just think the guy was great, and and I like everything about him. The psychology of him, his fucking promos. Yeah. Well, like you said, the gimmick. He can be a dickhead drill instructor. Yeah. Or he can be an all-American soldier. Yeah. And either way, <laughs> like, I'm into this shit. Yes. I like Bob Slaughter. Up next on this thing, our man Mr. Hughes is is in a match against the Superfly. No, it's not Jimmy Snuka. Tongue. When I I heard them say the Superfly, I was like, of course Snooka's on this show. (laughs) But it wasn't. It wasn't Jimmy Snooka. Tonga. I think it was Tonga, right? Yeah, it wasn't Samu. It was Tonga. It was Tonga, kid. Because the the SST on this was Samu and Tama. Right? Sure. (laughs) <laughs> yes, and this was Tonga Kid. No, not Tonga Kid. Tonga Kid's Haku. I get him confused. This was King King Tonga or whatever. Anyway, whatever. It's one of the Samoans, and he's against Mister Hughes. And Hughes beats him. Yes, and afterwards we get a promo with Mister Hughes and Adnan Al KC. And then here we go, my man Coco Beware <laughs> against Nails with an S. Yes, and there is a promo from the Warlord, and it written down. Oh yeah, I do. They show a video of nails. Yeah, yeah. And okay. Because, because he's he selected nails to be his tag team partner in the tag team tournament, and um, Warlord points something out, and I thought it was actually pretty. This was actually pretty cool. They're putting nails over as being fucking out of control, and nobody can control them. Mm-hmm. Which is obviously out of control. Because <laughs> Ken Resnick goes, Warlord, Nails is insane. Nobody can control him. Like, what do you think you can, like, do you really think you can, uh, you can keep him in line? And Warlord is like, no, why would I want to? Why do you think I would want to? You know what I mean? Like, he wants this out of control tag team partner. Mm-hmm. But what I put in, in, because there's not a, there's not a lot of warlord promos like in the WWF 
You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of it's whoever's managing, whether it's Fuji or Slick. There's just a lot of him going. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But what I put like watching the Warlord's promo style, I put the Warlord cuts a promo like a speed racer villain. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. like, 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 why would I want to control him? Ha ha ha! I'm gonna come at you. <laughs> Like he's speaking really fast, and then going, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> like I think, like he's like, I'm gonna get you, Racer X and Speed Racer, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me up like, in the chopper. I'm gonna take her out, ha, ha, ha. Like, like Doctor and like or like Doctor Roboto and and Sonic. Yeah, he's very <laughs> fast speaking, and then he goes, ha, ha, ha. ha. <laughs> it's just, all I thought about was because I'm a speed racer, Mark. I like speed racer. And I was like, I said, Doc, I said, I said, Sonic, I meant Mega Man. Sorry. That's fine. Miss but like, he, he, he speaks like an anime villain. That's how Warlord <laughs> got all his promos. Now I'm, I'm good with you it. Out. I'm going to take you out right now. Ha <laughs> 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 My evil plan will come to fruition. <laughs> <laughs> That's the fucking Warlord, and it's fucking awesome. Up next, it's Nails with an S, like I said, against Coco Beware. Um, and it's fine. Tony Atlas comes out afterward to build, still building their feud. Apparently, like like Aaron said, this thing's so disjointed. There's so much going on. At one Is point, it- some guy put this together for us. Thank you, guy, whoever you are. Um and the next match is a they're, they're, throughout the show. They're talking about their tournament to crown the AWF champion. It's funny because on this whole thing, this dude never put a Tito Santana match on it. We well, hear about we hear about Tito, but and uh, Tito actually uh, before we went to uh, or before we recorded the show, I looked up some stuff about the AWF, and even after apparently even after the promotion folded. He um, had a match on some other indie show with the AWF on the title on the line. I forget who it said it was against, but on this indie show, some guy came out and said, while the AWF was alive, you dodged me for the title. So Tito brought out his AWF title and defended the championship on an indie show. But anyway, um, the next match, it's the AWF title tournament. It's Chris Adams against the Warlord. And I liked this match too. Yeah, it it was good. And and Warlord, like I said, he's not like you know, like we were talking about with Slaughter. It's not like he's like this great worker, is great. He's not whatever. He's not putting he, on a. He's not putting on a clinic. But he looks fucking good, and um, um, Chris Adams, I think, could. Like I said, he was a scumbag. Like, all you gotta do is watch Gentleman's Choice. <laughs> realize how cr- fucking trashy Chris Adams... Did you, did you ever watch that, by the way? No. You gotta watch it. Like, it's... it's. I almost want to rewatch it, and I want Chad to rewatch it, and I want you to watch it, and I want us to, like, fucking review it. It's the fucking Tiger King of professional wrestling. <laughs> it's the fucking Tiger King of wrestling. 
Like, remember Beyond the Mat? You watched Beyond the Mat. Oh, right? yeah. I've watched Beyond the Mat multiple times. Yeah. You know, the chick that fights, like, the little stripper girl that Chris Adams finds? Yeah. She's on it. She's in there. Her and her husband. They're talking about fucking Chris Adams trying to trying to get one over on them because they were the big time stars and Chris was trying to hold them down and all this shit. And they're interviewing her in a fucking goddamn like trailer park parking lot and all this shit. You got to fucking watch it, man. <laughs> you just got to watch. Gentleman's yeah. choice. I will put it in my queue. I really want me, you, and Chad to fucking review Gentleman's Choice, the Chris Adams story. <laughs> oh my fucking God. Like, I watched the whole thing and I felt dirty after I watched it. <laughs> Need a shower after you watch it. Yes. I don't know what made me bring that up. But anyway, um, yeah, I know what made me bring it up. Just being that I said, like, it sucks that Chris Adams was so much of a shit human being because that dude was fucking good. Mm-hmm. Like, really fucking good. Very versatile. And again, another guy that can be a face or a heel. Yeah. You like, <laughs> this is, this is, like, I would say, this about Chris Adams. I put Chris Adams like in ring work on the same level as Brett and Sean. And that's a lot of praise. Mm-hmm. But as a human being, terrible. And that's why nobody ever wanted to do anything with him outside of Texas where he was at. But, but I mean, he, he was as good as Bret Hart or Shawn Michaels, but he was just a fucking terrible human being. Yeah. Like, you, yeah. Go ahead, sorry. No, I was going to say, you don't want to hire a train wreck yeah. when you're a major, major nat- or you don't, I guess WCW hired him for a while. You don't want to push a train wreck when you're a major yeah. wrestling promotion. Yeah, they had, they signed him, but he was fucking working goddamn Saturday night and this, that, and the other thing. Like, He's I uh, in it's how I'm stumbling over my fucking words. Um, I'd put him in the same. I'd put him in the same category that I'd put dynamite. Mm-hmm. And dynamite kid talks about that in his book. Which I actually liked his book. I know some of his, a lot of, uh, like, there's a lot of stuff in his book that's kind of bullshit, but I still like reading it. But he said something in his book, and it was, it was a guy being super honest about himself. It was when he thought him and Davey were going to leave, like, he thought him and Davey were going to leave together, and he contacted the NWA. And the NWA didn't call him back, didn't call him back, finally got him on the phone. And he said that Ric Flair answered. And Flair was kind of being like an intermediate intermediate booker. Mm-hmm. And Flair said, sorry, Tom, we're not hiring anybody that's been in the WWF recently right now. And hung up on him. 
and Dynamite was like, I knew then that was bullshit. They didn't want to hire me because they knew about my baggage. Right. Like, they knew they got fucking locker room reports and all this shit about what I was doing and were like, we don't want that guy in our fucking locker room. Mm -hmm. And I honestly think that's why Chris Adams never had a bigger career. Because they were just like, yeah, we don't, no company was like, we don't want that. Like, why do we need that right now? Keyword liability. Yes. And that that's like the most honest thing in Dynamite's book. Is he was like, I, I like I really think that was the point in that guy's career where he was like, I gotta fucking bounce. Yeah. That and he said that he came home and all the shit was out of the house and there was a one way ticket to England signed by his wife. Like <laughs> he's like, All right, I gotta go. <laughs> you ever hear what Brett said about Dynamite? Well, I mean, I I read Brett's book, so. (laughs) He's talking about fucking dynamite was like shooting goddamn fucking jackrabbits and shit while the kids were out there playing. And Brett's like, yeah, we're not going to bring the kids back here anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I'll come. Hey, Julie, we can come and see Tom. One of the little things about Brett's book, actually, that I appreciate because his book is fantastic. Mixed, yes. Brett's book, Mick's first book, Jericho's first book, and Blassie's book are the four that I've read the most. Okay. Over Blassie's book's my favorite book ever. The what one of the one of the little subtle things that I love about Brett's book is that when he's talking about dynamite. The word fucking is always spelled F O O K I N. Fucking. Fucking. <laughs> that's just one of the little, the little subtleties of Brett's book that I love. <laughs> the last thing on this deal that we watched is a match between Cowboy Bob Orton and Chris Adams in the AWF title tournament. Obviously, Cowboy wins. He's going to face Tito in the finals because that's how you do. <laughs> East Coast booking in 1995. But um, that's a good match between Orton and Adams, and and I'm never going to complain about watching Cowboy Bob wrestle. And the thing I like about Cowboy Bob actually in the AWF is he kind of dropped the comedic tones of his character that he had when he was with Piper. Is that yeah. does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah, he doesn't have the arm cast on. And he's back to being more serious, you know, like he was in Mid Atlantic and and all that. They even bring that up in or they even bring that up in commentary. They're talking about how because Adnan's with him now. No, not Adnan. Uh, fucking Humperdink. Mm-hmm. They have Humperdink with him, and they're talking about how, like Humperdink's this evil mastermind, and he's using this this. Um, I think they even call him an assassin. Like Humperdinck's using Bob Orton as his assassin, mm-hmm. that type of thing. And there's like a couple. You didn't write down a lot of promos, and I didn't either. But there's like promos sprinkled through this mixtape where Bob Orton's like talking about taking people out in the tournament and shit like that. Bob Orton's fucking cool. Oh yeah. 
Yeah. Bang. I mean, any Orton, his yeah. dad, him, his son. I mean, Randy mm-hmm. Orton, Randy Orton, people can say what they want about him. And it's been 20 years. God damn. Anyway, <laughs> it's been 20 years since he since he popped up in the WWE. In that company, in the past two decades, Randy's the most consistent performer. I, I don't yeah. care what anybody says. And he's had times where maybe his gimmick was a little boring or whatever. Right now he's boring. And but when the bell rings, see, I like him and him and Riddle. I, I dig it. So I'm, I'm not, you know me, I'm not a Riddle fan. I know we're of two minds on that, but, but eventually I, I don't want to cut you off. Hmm. But I was just, I was, I was just going to say he is bell to bell, the best wrestler of his generation. Yeah. End of story. End of story. Um, I was going to say, well, eventually those birds are going to fly out of Riddle's ass <laughs> and he's going to get RKO'd. Or, and this is my this is my opinion, because you're working to the future, right? And like we just said, Randy's 20 years a veteran. I would actually prefer Riddle turns on Randy. See, I understand that, but I think Randy will turn on him and I don't like Riddle. But Riddle ends up beating him at like a WrestleMania or something, and he can do whatever the fuck you want with that tricycle ride motherfucker <laughs> or whatever he's on. But Randy Orton is this. This is what I'd say about Randy. If I had to describe Randy Orton to somebody, Randy Orton is if Ric Flair. And Jake Roberts were able to procreate, shoot <laughs> out a fucking baby. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yes, because he's got the in-ring ability of Flair and the psychology he's ability of psychology of Jake Roberts. And 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 again, like I said, I would say, and then we'll, I mean we'll wrap it up here, but it, it just got me thinking about it. I, and I thought I've thought about it a lot because I am actually going to put him on my ballot for our Hall of Fame next year as Randy Orton. And twenty years, okay. His generation of wrestlers, I put him on top, and and, and I love I love AJ, and I love CM Punk, and I would also put them up top too for their generation. I would too. But Randy is just the best and most consistent performer. And Brock and Cena, you know, but he's just the best and most consistent performer the, the, ever. The, the thing that I would put them even though put him over like an AJ or Punk, which you're a bigger Punk fan than I am. I'm not going to say I don't like CM Punk. But the reason I would put them under Randy is, and, and this isn't a knock or anything. Mm-hmm. But there were times when those guys were doing like that X division shit, and I'm not—I don't want to call it shit. The X division style, style. you know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like okay, there's there's three big high spots in a row, and nobody's selling shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Does does what I'm saying make sense? And I'm not, and I'm not knocking AJ Styles or CM Punk. 
Right. And, or, or like the guy that I think is the biggest misuse. This is, this is, I'm just going to say it. You know, the biggest misuse talent in the in current wrestling aspect, like the current wrestling landscape is right now. Past 20 years? Right now. Just right now. Okay. Shelton Benjamin? Yeah. Okay. Possibly Shelton. But I think the most misused, miscast, he means nothing, and he should be one of the biggest stars in the fucking world is Finn Balor. Agreed. Like, that guy should be fucking Bret Hart right now, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. But I didn't even put Randy over him, because Finn still does that shit sometimes, you know, where it's like some guy crashes him through this thing, or he does some crazy-ass thing, and then he just pops back up. Yeah. Randy doesn't do that shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you absolutely. Know? Watch Randy Orton anytime he's ever been in a Money in the Bank match. Yeah, when he's when 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 something when some <clears throat> crazy spot happens where there's a ladder and a table and blah blah blah, Randy Orton probably isn't going to win that match because he's going to sell it like, well, I got destroyed on that spot, <laughs> and you yeah. know. But that that's just that's the way I look at it. I know we kind of got in the weeds on it, but I I just the AWF mixtape was fucking weird. Yeah, it was. It was schizophrenic, um, and it was at times a pleasant surprise. Nate Maxson discovered that he likes the tag team of Tony Atlas and Coco Beware, and Tony Atlas feuding with Nails with an S. So. <laughs> That is that is my, my takeaway from this this journey down the rabbit hole of the AWF. Which went nowhere and um I I think that I wanna keep going down this and I know we probably can't do it every week, but every once in a while just I wanna do it. It it, it came from YouTube. <laughs> Like some <laughs> random ass shit that's found on YouTube that somebody has out there. I like to me this was fun. I enjoyed it too. Um when I when again I, and I will we'll wrap up here, but when you first sent me the video again, I thought it was gonna be like a forty five minute TV episode. Then I opened the thing and I was like, fuck, this thing's <laughs> two hours and thirty minutes long and I thought I was gonna hate it. And I found myself enjoying watching it. So And that, and and you understood why I texted you guys or messaged you guys and said, Are you sure you wanna do this? <laughs> Cause I didn't know it was gonna be what it was. And I'm like, Yeah, let's do it. It was fun. And now it made me want to be like, oh, I'm going to find more random ass shit on YouTube. <laughs> well, do you have any parting words for our listeners this week? I just want to thank them for listening. Um, and like Nate said, we're going to, we don't have a booth this year or anything, but we're going to be wandering around the fucking Heroes and Legends in Fort Wayne. So if any of you guys are there. I'll probably have my relive. I don't want to, oh, you're going to wear your relive in the extreme shirt. I got to find my, we can't wrestle podcast shirt or whatever. Any, I don't want to be like Twinkies. <laughs> um, people are going to think we're a couple. <laughs> my parting words are 
check out all the other shows here on the WrestleNet Radio Podcast Network, including Aaron's show, The Year That Was, dot, 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 Slice of Time, where we go back 25 years ago in professional wrestling to cover all the news, notes, and results. Of course, our buddy, Mr. Archie Mitchell, who is home and better, and we're happy about that. We hope uh, we think he's better. He didn't show up today. I'm sure like, he's deep. He was probably like, fuck you guys, I'm going to bed. Or they're going to find him tomorrow. <laughs> Join him for If You Smell What the Arch is Cooking. There are a couple of new shows coming to the network. And of course, Reliving the Extreme with Aaron, myself, and Chad Austin going through every single week of ECW. We are heading our way to Hardcore Heaven 1994 and almost to that fateful night where Shane Douglas threw down the NWA championship and cut his historic promo. We're almost there. We're almost to ECW becoming extreme championship wrestling. And I am very excited for that. Yes. And that being it's going to get good. And then our show is going to get bad. <laughs> I think what will happen is our show might get less comedic. Uh, we got to figure out ways to not make that happen. <laughs> They'll give us a reason. Rest, pro wrestling always gives you a reason to make fun of it. I got to have is, reasons to fucking make memes and shit. I was super proud of that big cat. You're not the father thing I put together. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us this week on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. We'll see you next time around. Have a great week. And hopefully, if you're, if you're again, if you're in the area, we will see you at Heroes and Legends Wrestling this Saturday. Come out, enjoy the show, meet some wrestlers, and maybe you'll bump into one of us. We'll see you next week, everybody, for the Weekend Wrestle Podcast. Have a great week.